1: Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. This is a special draft edition of Rotoviz Overtime. It is myself, Colin Kelly. I'm joined by my co-host Sean Siegel, and we're going to be drafting in the best ball mania tree over at underdogfantasy.com. If you're signed up and getting involved over at Underdog, you can use the code Rotoviz, and that'll give you a 100% sign-up bonus, up to $100, with the code Rotoviz. But Sean, we are waiting for two people to fill this draft room then we'll find out what our draft slot is and then we'll be ready to go and part of the thing I like about the way underdog drafts fill up so quickly is that we can add it in and we're ready to go we're recording the show we don't know where we're starting and then we get to to do it all up on the fly so really looking forward to this draft we've done a lot of them over the last couple of weeks and we're waiting Sean two more people which draft slot do you want today well, for a while there, I was executing a lot of hyper fragile drafts
2: in underdog because we were getting fantastic prices on players like Brees Hall, Travis Etienne, Cam Akers, JK Dobbins. And it was hard not to approach it that way in a format where hyper fragile works well if you execute your structure to finish out the draft. It's also a situation where you want to take advantage of ADPs that you know are not going to remain the same as draft season progresses. And we have seen those ADPs move in a direction that makes the players not quite as palatable. That was one of the things that Ben Gretsch and I discussed at length on one of our recent episodes of Stealing Bananas. We go into the RotoViz underdog ADP tool, look at risers and fallers, and then specifically break down why some players are rising, other players are falling and which ones we expect to continue to rise and you need to draft before they get even more expensive and then maybe some fallers that we expect to actually turn around as draft season progresses and as a result of that you need to select them at these bargains before they move back so colin will have all of that information with us today and we actually get to start here with the second pick so you can't Argue against that you at least have your option of where you want to go early
1: yeah you pretty much have all the options outside of one player which was jonathan taylor so sean are we going for a hero or a modified zero rb approach today with christian mccaffrey or are we taking one of those wide receivers i think we could go mccaffrey here but i'll let you if you want to go the whole the whole way we can go (laughs) and take one of the wide receivers i'm coming off a draft where i just finished up earlier today where we had the 101 and we started off with cooper cup so Maybe that has, you know, given me that that full zero RB feeling, and uh, you know, I'm I'm willing to to take a running back a little bit earlier. But we held off on that to the ninth round uh, to take our first running back in that one. So we get a running back here at the 102, but it is really hard to pass up one of those top two targets. And Austin Eckler goes off the board at the the 103. So in that draft I referenced earlier today. That was a case where Jonathan Taylor fell all the way to the 105, which if I was drafting at the 105 and had that opportunity, I would be really delighted. But yeah, Austin Eckler going at the the 103 here. Sean, we get that running back. I've been drafting a lot of AJ Brown, as I've mentioned a couple of times on the show. He was the player we got in that second round. Uh, We see those three wide receivers go off the board and Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson and Chase we talked a couple of weeks ago about Debo Samuel and we were talking about drafting him at the back end of round one early round two over the last couple of weeks in the underdog drafts he has been reaching to the back end of that second round on a number of different occasions we have talked about him a number of times as well so we may have treaded over this already but are you surprised to see him being available at the back end of some of these drafts in the second round
2: no because they do have the issues there in terms of how their offense will run the season i think that people can be overly concerned about that but it's it's not something that we should dismiss as not an issue if a team has you know 475 500 pass attempts versus 600 pass attempts 650 it's just a very different pie that that team that has to split up and with the forty ers we know that pie is going to be split between samuel Probably Ayuk having a bounce back season. He's someone who creates, I wouldn't say similar exposure because Debo is number one so good and has this hybrid ability that gives you uh, exposure to multiple elements of the 49ers offense. But Ayuk someone who, uh, this may be the cheapest price you get on him for the next six years. And so that would be a way to play it. You don't necessarily want to have both players within the context of this 49ers offense because you probably need one or the other to hit. And then we know George Kittle is going to get in there as well. If he has a healthy season, there is no tight end better with the ball in his hands than Kittle. This offense will be designed to get all three of these players into space. The run after the catch numbers, if you pull them up on the advanced stat tool, you'll see are pretty extraordinary for the 49ers when you have the three big time talents in an offense that may not pass a lot then i think that you want to split your exposures but you need to be a little circumspect too in terms of exactly what you pay because there are some potential issues yeah i
1: think there, there's definitely some potential issues but i also think that if this contract situation gets you know sorted out i think he'll start to climb up Interesting there that you mentioned on ayuki somebody who i've found to be very very interesting over the, the last well season and a half but over the last couple of weeks is where his current adp is we should have some very good options though when it gets back to us we are five picks away mark andrews goes off the board at the 206 and then there is those couple of picks before us but some of the players in the queue are debo samuel saquon barkley tyreek hill t higgins sean hasn't added aj brown or mark mike williams in there but they're two options that i i would like to see added in but debo samuel goes at the two hundred seven. Sean. With those options, we should hopefully be able to to manage to get two out of that list as Saquon Barkley also goes off the board. So maybe I've spoken too soon, but who are your preferred options at the wide receiver position here that that will be available for us?
2: Well, now that we're eliminated from the option of being able to start McCaffrey-Barkley, which was one of my favorite beginnings earlier in the offseason, we do have to look at wide receivers here. I think we have to look at this as an anchor running back team or a hyper fragile team where we actually select those running backs in the 3-4 range as opposed to, or the 4-5 range as opposed to the 2-3. As we look here, the best values are going to be at wide receiver. Colin, Connor and I picked T. Higgins very early in the second round in our recent draft.
1: We better move or We're going to end up getting Tyreek Hill. You nearly had me panic there, Sean. As uh, those seven seconds on the clock, uh, you didn't want Tyreek Hill. No, well, I don't mind getting Tyreek Hill, but I would rather go with the the one that I want and that first pick. Um, so it's going to be interesting here. If AJ Brown got back to us now, I'd be very, very pleased. And that doesn't happen, but we do have an option here. If you want to go that way with Mike Williams, I'm happy to take him over. Keaton Allen. Is there anyone else that strikes your fancy here? Kyle Pitts, maybe.
2: Yeah, let's select Pitts. It's it's too fun not to go that direction. He has massive blow up potential. The other players I would be looking at, and, and to draft him a little bit early here gives you that team where you have a McCaffrey team with Higgins in that range where Higgins I, we don't want or expect anything to happen to Jamar Chase. He's actually one of my most rostered players in the early going. I think what we see from Chase this year could be similar to what we saw from Cooper Cup last season. and it'll be a different cult for Cup to return that same value again, which is one of the reasons we passed on him with the second selection. You then add Pitts and you could potentially have the top player at three different positions and a lineup that probably is a little bit unique by virtue of reaching for Pitts. Michael Doomer is going to have some information on that in the Best Ball Bible that will be out shortly. I've gotten a chance to speak with him about it a lot, preview it. Uh, one of the really cool parts of being one of the editors, obviously, Blair Andrews is our managing editor and does the bulk of that work and does an absolutely fantastic job by getting to see some of these pieces before they come out. It's a treat and I get to tease them a little bit. Be on the lookout for Michael Doomer's Best Ball Bible. It will absolutely blow you away. 4,500 words of genius that will set you up to possibly win the $2 million on underdog here. And it's set up for multiple formats. So if you want to come in and try and take that first loser title away from us in the FFPC, you can do that as well. I think Javante Williams would have been an interesting pick there, column As we lost the other wide receiver selection that we really liked in the interim those those two picks exactly at the turn what are your thoughts about taking Javante there and having a little bit more of a run heavy team
1: yeah I like Javante Williams I I know we've talked about it and I know we've drafted a couple of teams but I like the fun of having these I know we mentioned it about having you know a fun roster to look at after the draft's over but I tend to enjoy them a lot more when we get some of those um, early round wide receivers and I'm always reluctant to go for it. But if there is a couple of players there, you mentioned Saquon Barkley, DeAndre Swift, um, Javante Williams. I know you're adding some players to the queue at the moment. You know, we have edn in there, James Conner. I haven't uh, drafted James Conner at all this year, actually, now uh, to this point. And that is a big change from last year. But then we have Cam Akers and Brees Hall mentioned in there. There is times where it's very, very hard to pass up those guys if, if the opportunity comes around. And that was almost one of those points where, We had a lot of guys in the queue and they were disappearing very, very quickly and Pets was another option. The other reason I like that Pets pick is at some point, Sean, we're going to have to continue to differentiate away from our TJ Hawkinson drafting uh, and and try and set up teams in a slightly different way. So I really like um, Javante. I also like the option, though, to get Melvin Garden and that kind of 10th round range as well, if that presents itself. So um, we'll see how the rest of the draft plays out, but... I haven't drafted a lot of um, Williams this year based on just wanting to get the wide receivers in that range on the board. And I have been very fortunate to get quite a few top six picks in my drafts. And and that leads to opportunities to get some nice, nice wide receivers. Um, we are losing out in a lot of wide receivers that were in the queue, Sean. So we may be getting into a flatter area here for... To, to target some of those running backs so as we look at it the last couple of picks the 312 was Cortland sutton then we had dj moore then james connor then gabriel davis then travis Etienne. we are now six picks away deontay johnson cam Akers, Brees hall would be the remaining names that are there at the moment so we are getting a little bit uh we're getting a little bit of pressure here from some of the selections that we might be looking to make um how are you feeling so far as the the draft has played out um adding those names to the the queue has has been a a busy time for you as they disappear quite quickly
2: well I, i love what's happened we have stars at three positions that gives us a lot of flexibility in terms of what we want to do next we would like to be wide receiver heavy one of the things that you will note here if you pull up the win the flex tool and the win the flex tool is really the tool That will help you decide and understand how you want to play these middle rounds connor's got some articles out looking at that you can kind of fiddle with how you think your team is going to be built in terms of if it's a running back in the flex or a wide receiver in the flex we see that in this range the actual projection in a half ppr format is going to be very similar for wide receivers and running backs and so the overall construction then matters you can go in the direction that gives you the best opportunity to kind of take that third receiver spot i think that it's easy to miss out on the fact that when you use two three and then one flex that really does dictate certain things that need to happen for you we get back around here Brees hall one of the players that ben and i discussed on the show as a recent riser but column i think to get him at the 411 is fantastic value
1: yeah, Sean's made a, a, a call there himself that he's going to take it. What I want to happen here, Sean, is either DK Metcalf or Rashad Bitman get back to us. I would like to pair those two picks together. So we do miss out on Metcalf. George Kittle goes, so we have an option here. How do you feel about Bitman at, at this particular point?
2: Yeah, I love that selection. The other top wide receivers available, Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, Juju Smith-Schuster. Smith-Schuster might fit what we want to do, but the other two definitely do not this allows us to get back on the wide receiver bandwagon and again balance out the team a little bit give ourselves that flexibility. So one of the things that I do like in underdog a little bit more than full PPR leagues is to have some of that balance. Now it's not to say I'm drafting balanced teams all the time. I have hyper fragile teams obviously not balanced. have a lot of zero RB teams obviously not balanced but if you get moved in a direction where balance works out very nicely and you don't have to force it and you're getting some values in the picks then there are some benefits to that as you try and get more values later on as you progress
1: yeah so really happy to get bitman there and we'll see how it pairs out Brees hall is somebody who's very hard to pass up so you mentioned javante williams earlier with the question jk dobbins is somebody you're after adding to the queue i know obviously there's been talk around his injury travis Etienne, somebody as well that is going in that range and when I'm drafting, part of the reason that I'm usually skipping over Javante is to, you know, get the wide receiver to give you sometimes the option at Brees Hall, at J.K. Dobbins or Travis Etienne, for example. Um, we do have to keep an eye here. We, we have uh, we're we're targeting the week ten buys at the moment. We have T. Higgins, Rashad Bateman, and Brees Hall all on the week ten buys. And um, so we'll see how that plays out. But we're in very early days. We're going to stock those positions up. We're not going to really have to worry about that by the end of things, but maybe there will be a couple of uh, decisions to be made if it, if it came to tie breaks. Um, some of the options now in the queue, some quarterbacks added in Kyler Murray, um, Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow, the Russian ability, obviously the first two guys is going to give them an edge, but the touchdown upside of Joe Burrow is, is pretty good. Obviously after last season, we are going to be waiting 12 picks, Sean, we have a long time to go how are you seeing this round progressing and, and who are the if we have two dream scenarios here who are the the two picks that we get at this next turn
2: well I would love Dobbins to fall all the way through and then we would be pretty well set at the running back position and we would have that extreme upside if he's available early in the season but the other thing is that with McCaffrey and Hall I don't think that you even need him early in the season necessarily. Now, one of the things you can get caught up in is thinking so much about how do we win in the playoffs that you build a lot of teams that really are not well positioned to advance. The best way to play this would be to advance a lot of teams into the playoffs and then advance a lot of teams from week 16 to week 17. And then you're in the situation where, especially if optimizing for those two elements created teams that were unique for you. You'd have a lot of ways to win versus teams that maybe are very heavily invested in that Bengals uh, bills week 17 game. And one way to do this, if you had a lot of money and you were trying to win the $2 million would so be to put 40000 $50,000 in it and fade that Bengals bills game entirely. Then if that game doesn't do what people think you would potentially have a lot of leverage on the crowd. probably not the most fun way to do it but you at least want to think about other ways to play it other than just that game and that game is tricky too in a way because you're not necessarily getting great prices on players like Diggs and in many cases higgins although i like the price that we have here we know those players are being elevated somewhat and even someone like gabriel davis where he's a tough one because on the one side it looks like his adp is pushed way up by virtue of being a potential stack candidate in that game that could shoot out and be the game that does obviously decide everything we saw the bills game a couple of years ago decide everything in week 17 when josh allen and Stephon diggs went off in a massive way we saw the bills decide fantasy playoff contest last year when gabriel davis went off in the playoffs it's not guaranteed that they'll hit i mean this is a team that managed to lose to the jacksonville jaguars last year now That was not the game that you would expect, but we can also get a little bit caught up in just how many points the Bills have scored at the right time in the past. And yet Gabriel Davis is a player who's 23 years old and should have played more last season. From that perspective, if the Bills had just used him appropriately, he would be more expensive than he is now. And so from that perspective, you might still be getting a deal on him, even at these elevated prices it's astonishing column to see where he's going in dynasty startups to have a 23 year old potential wide receiver star going later in dynasty than he is in best ball
1: doesn't make any sense.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's some exploitable elements there one way or another, or, you know, he busts and everybody is wrong. We're one pick away. And one of the reasons that I didn't think it was absolutely necessary to hit on AJ Brown is that I think Devonte Smith is undervalued. He's a player we have at the top of our queue. The next couple of guys there are Thielen and Gage, but I would have no problems also reaching on Drake London. We already mentioned getting some exposure to Brandon Ayuk. Where are you here with the players? Do you have any other position other than running back that you'd be looking, other than wide receiver that you'd be looking at?
1: No, I think uh, Smith is the pick here. And then you have two other players in the queue and both Drake London and Brandon Ayuk you know i'd be i'd probably i might still go Ayuk over london um but we'll see how that plays out over the, the course of the next couple of picks but that would start to put us in a, a pretty solid position we did talk about it in a recent road of his overtime but adam Thielen, you know there's just so many like i think i just i think it's 32 he's going to be heading into this season and there's a lot of question marks around that the other thing just that you've pulled it up i would be potentially interested in trey lance also but we'll see. So we we should have hopefully an option here. We don't have an option of Trey Lance, so we have an option of Brandon Ayuk, Sean, or we have anyone else that you want to pull from at, the, at this point.
2: Well, and it's okay too, I think, to not have Devontae Smith and Brandon Ayuk stacked with their quarterbacks or paired with their quarterbacks because of the way those offenses work. So we'll select Ayuk. He gives us another one of these potential young players with extreme upside our wide receiver group is now t higgins rashad bateman Devonte smith and brandon ayuk that's two third year players and two second year players the potential for outperformance there is extreme it does give us a little bit of risk but you're going to need to have players with the potential to smash adp if you want to win these tournaments
1: yeah and just the question i was going to ask you was if we had both of them available trey lance and brandon ayuk would you have went towards the quarterback, or based on the fact that we have had, you know, the the two running back picks early, would you have leant into the wide receiver position there?
2: It's going to be interesting because QB is definitely going off the board at interesting prices in this one. We have Josh Allen, mid three, Justin Herbert, and four Mahomes and Jackson. In five followed by Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts and you can often get them much less expensively than that than Joe Burrow early in the sixth Trey Lance early in the seventh the player here who potentially would be interesting is someone now like a Justin Fields and it's a matter of when will he go because in this draft with the inflation at the QB position. It might be early, but I've seen him fall a long way relative to some of those other guys. The potential value there, pretty extreme. This is one where it's giving us a lot of other opportunities at QB. Trey Lance, you mentioned, he's another one of the guys who shows up in the ADP tool as being a riser. Ben and I discussed some of the reasons why we think that's justified and we do expect him to go up more. I don't think that we want to be Sort of pushing the rise at this point we don't and not necessarily chasing the rise i think there's still some time here to get him at decent prices so i i don't mind missing i don't mind missing some of the elite quarterbacks you and i went with three late quarterbacks that turned into just pretty extraordinary values in one of our other recent drafts you have to keep that open as a possibility even though the preference obviously would be to hit two qbs in the window
1: yeah, I would agree with that very much. So, um, just would have been an interesting decision there. I think I would have still lent into the wide receiver, and based on how quarterbacks have been going, I think I would have awaited it as well. And we also can get the guy that you're adding to the queue, your favorite, and and Derek Carr, Justin Fields. I think is somebody who is sliding based on you know we you touched on earlier stacking. I think you know it's not that nice looking to try and stack some of these Bears options, and I think that's why he is slipping in some of those drafts. So. He, if you could say we could skip forward a couple of rounds and, and get him, that would be an ideal scenario. But we are eight picks away. Um, our queue is, at the moment, Sean, full of quarterbacks. Uh, we also have Kadarius Toney in there. Looking through the running back options, the next ones up are Miles Sanders, uh, Damian Harris, Kenneth Walker, Kareem Hunt is in there, Melvin Gordon, Devin Singletary. So there's some interesting running back options here, but based on the fact that we have those other two running backs, um, Maybe even though like a single terry would give me enough confidence then to be almost sealing out this team. So as we are those six slots away, Sean, are you tempted by Tony or are you looking into those running back options? Because this is really the the zero RB crop of running backs that we're at here now.
2: It is, and I think that the value at wide receiver is not such that we necessarily want to push that. Tony is someone who at these prices is someone interesting we have a lot of wandale and so i don't think it's a bad move necessarily to differentiate a little bit there give ourselves exposure to the guy who actually has nfl experience and was dynamic within the course of that time has the bigger body might be used more down the field probably has more overall upside if both players were to hit then you would pick tony i think that Wondale probably in some ways is a little bit less risky because you can count on him a little bit more based on the recent track record of the two guys so we get here i don't know that any of the quarterbacks are that appealing at these prices and they're not necessarily perfect fits we have walker who is a decent value here
1: would you singletary okay
2: so Colin and wants the, us to yeah. continue to get 100% of Singletary.
1: The only reason I really pushed in there was that pick was made with one second left on the clock, so I, I thought we better pick somebody. So, uh, yeah. Colin did not want Ken Walker. No, would you have went with Walker over Singletary? Would that be your call at this point?
2: One of the things that we have to consider is the direction that both running backs are going to go. If Walker and Singletary both do what we'd expect if james cook and rashad penny both do what we expect they're going to go in different directions it could be a situation where walker and cook are the more valuable players in the fantasy playoffs i do think that in this format especially singletary probably more appealing as opposed to a full ppr than i think james cook becomes someone that you want to get at least sort of 65 35 if not you know 55 45 we get through here column The wide receivers we were looking at are more or less gone, but I wouldn't necessarily mind throwing in a Garrett Wilson since we know we're not going to be able to get him coming back around. If you want.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was uh, wondering, the way that clock was ticking down, I thought Derek Carr was going to be the, the selection. I think we're still hoping that we may see Justin Fields sneak back around to us at the next turn, but were you close on that to to in with Carr? no that was going to be walker or or garrett wilson there you can pick with one second column it's it's allowed you can pick but i have absolutely no control over the scenario at all because, because you have the mouse but uh yeah i think we we were better there to get the wide receiver again to fill out that depth and then i think the hope the hope is going to be that we get him back in that next round and that would be would be delightful if we can get fields there but We'll do a quick run-through of the team so far as Sean pulls up the draft board. We have Christian McCaffrey to start things off. Then we have Kyle Pitts, Brees Hall, Rashad Bateman, Devontae Smith, Branton Ayuk, Devin Singletary, and then we have Garrett Wilson. We do have quite a bit of Garrett Wilson, Sean, drafted through these uh, his OT drafts, so you've talked quite a bit about being a a little bit of a a lower-cost alternative to Elijah Moore, who we also like. Based on both guys and the the current costs, Elijah Moore went in this draft in the sixth round, and then that was the ninth round where we took Wilson. What are some of your thoughts now based on the, you know, are are you passing over Elijah Moore a lot of the time now with the hope of being able to get Wilson at that later point?
2: I am. It's just there's enough difference in price that I think it's worth it, even though Elijah Moore was fantastic last season. He could get pigeonholed into a little bit more of a limited role and i mean limited only from the perspective of extreme upside so garrett wilson would need to hit in a big way to counterbalance that i just think that we're getting very good prices on some of these rookies and the price difference when you're looking at Moore and wilson if either one of them is going to have the advantage that we need for this season to work out and for those players to pay off then zach wilson's going to have to play okay And if you're already looking at it from that perspective, then Garrett Wilson is too cheap. And to have this be a draft, and one of the things we want to think through is what's the least expensive way to get exposure to an offense and to do it through players that we still think are very talented. In this draft, we've done it a number of times where we have T. Higgins instead of Jamar Chase. Obviously, Chase, if we were going to take him, we would have had to take him at the 102. We have Devontae Smith instead of A.J. Brown. We have Bryn Ayuk instead of Debo Samuel. We have Wilson instead of Moore. Would we prefer to have all four of the number one guys? We definitely would. But those other four players are very, very talented as well. And you have to make sure that you create that exposure. Colin, we are now one pick away. Justin Fields has come back around. You can pull up his ADP in the RotoViz ADP tool and see that he's at 122 for the last two weeks. We're sitting here at pick 119. This is a good enough fit and a strong enough price A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure.
1: You got this. Adidas. So, Sean, you asked me, would that be the pick, uh, the Justin Fields pick, obviously the perfect pick for people listening in. We've gone a little time machine. We've moved forward a couple of minutes, and we've also drafted Rondell Moore. We had an option there for Jarvis Landry or Moore, and that was at the 11.02. Then at the 103, Landry did go with that next pick. So that the the wide receivers are really starting to fill out nicely now, Sean. And we got the quarterback. There was a potential to try and reach around for that. But thankfully, we were able to see him come back to us at that spot. Landry is somebody, Sean, you and Ben were talking about, particularly probably three weeks ago now, four weeks ago, but his ADP was dramatically lower, and it has really risen up over the last couple of weeks i don't think there's any real surprise there with it rising but are you surprised at to the the point that it has actually got to now in the 11th round yes and no I mean, he's someone who's always been unpopular because of the depth
2: of his targets even when he was smashing expectations based on that and was such a target hog one of the things we have talked about on stealing bananas is that his targets per route run numbers are still strong and you can see that when you pull up the ceiling signals tool it looked like he would probably end up in a situation that wasn't that good for this season after he had a hard time in free agency, but he lands with the Saints, which is a perfect situation. They have the young rookie in Chris Olave. He will obviously feature into that offense, but is going earlier. And then Michael Thomas, the, the question still remains. So you know, who is going to be a good fit with Jameis Winston? They're going to need some guys there to actually take targets. We know that Jarvis Landry is someone who can and will do that. And so when you're talking about vaguely a a flourish type of option at that price jarvis landry is still too good you look at the the contrast between landry and Allen robinson for example who was not good last season there's a big difference in quarterback play and so that explains a lot of that and then if everything pans out the way the rams expect Allen robinson would be a better red zone threat as well score some more touchdowns those are going to be important in a half ppr format Again, you can understand the differences, but in terms of two guys who are drafted in the same class, for the one who's still playing well to go this much later and to go to a team that is still, I would say, functional and in a quality organization with the New Orleans Saints, I don't think that you can really mind that price very much.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good way to say it. And it's actually even when you were mentioning it, it's surprising that they both were in that that same class together. So um the ADP really rising up draft boards and the New Orleans Saints are still a little bit of a conundrum, I guess, for me. But I think that at the current values that they're going at, I think you you have to be willing to try and take those guys. If we hadn't been able to get Rondell Moore there, you know, we're going for the, I guess, the unknown upside of him actually having a breakout season this year. But in terms of what we know historically, we obviously have a lot of data on Jarvis Landry being particularly good outside of when Baker Mayfield can't pass him the ball and we're trying to win a basketball championship. But um, we are now seven picks away. This gets into an interesting area of the draft. So at the moment, we have one quarterback. We have one tight end. We're looking pretty solid at running back, but there does come a point here where there's a lot of interesting running back options. We have the three running backs in McCaffrey, Hall, and Singletary. So still room to maneuver there and add a couple more in. But how are you feeling at the moment, Sean? It feels like some of the... Uh, tight end options that we generally target are a little bit after this but this is the range where mike Kosicki goes albert Okuabunum goes and then you know two of our favorite targets and, and fant and everett they tend to go maybe you know another 12 or so picks but where we are picking this time it is probably the range where they're not going to get back to us either so are you feeling here to look at tight end the uh, wide receiver option that would be interesting would be jameson crowder and there is some really interesting running back options in White, Spiller, and Gainwell in there as well. So how are you feeling about playing this out as we look to you know, strategically move through the second half of the draft, I guess we'll say?
2: Well, I wouldn't mind adding Crowder to play off of Higgins early. We've talked a lot about him as the inexpensive way to play that shootout if you have... One of those expensive bangles. He does the go there at the 141. That was a good value on him. It wouldn't have been surprising to see him go ahead of that. Colin, we're now on the clock here. We have the 143. Trevor Lawrence is the pick at QB, but probably isn't a player who allows us to have the combination of things that we're looking for there. Do you like Rashad White? Is he someone you feel comfortable taking the big swing on here?
1: yeah i'm happy to go with any of those three running backs i i'm kind of shuffling them up in different orders it uh, depends on which ones are available in general but when all three are on the board i'm, I'm willing to go either way the, the interesting thing about white is if something was to happen to fournette the other thing is like you're looking at these big gap running backs we have speller who would come in obviously for eckler who went the third pick in this draft and then Gainwell though for me is the one I think that could come in and, and win the job outright early in the season. So it's it's a case that I'm I'm in on all of those guys. Have you a strong preference? Are you usually going to go with the rookie over even a second-year player like Gainwell? How are you feeling there? I, I'm very much unsettled. I'm kind of moving between all the guys to, to even that exposure out. Well, Colin, I'll address that in just a
2: second, but we are in the situation now where Gainwell would be a possible pick. Again, we have Lawrence, Ryan, Wilson, Mac Jones, Tannehill, Goff as potential quarterback selections. I don't know that we really like any of our wide receiver options there. We could go with Chark. Is it time to pull the trigger on Albert Oh, We haven't drafted him yeah, in a
1: while. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> We're nearly getting Albert O back to his pre-draft or pre-trade value. That's the 1302 that he goes at, Sean you know, we did one of the never-too-early drafts over at the FFPC. I think we might have got him in like the 18th round. But fair enough that people may have concerns around, you know, the rookie and Dulcich being there. But is it getting a little bit exaggerated the the ADP here? Are we getting too much of a value at that point? Well, you still need to think that they're going to run a lot of
2: two tight end sets. You still need to believe in his talent which we definitely do. We talk all the time about how he's one of the most athletic, if not the most athletic, pure tight end in the NFL. You can go and check him out in the NFL combine Explorer. His numbers will blow you away. Noah Fant, someone who survived very well with terrible quarterback play in Denver. It's one of the reasons why he is an intriguing option late, even with Seattle. It's a very good chance that his quarterback play in Seattle will actually be better than his quarterback play was in Denver. He also one of the most athletic tight ends in the NFL. And yet when you watch the two of them together on the field, Albert O just looked like the guy. I mean, he looked head and shoulders above everyone out there. I think that he's a bigger talent than Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. We'll see if he carves in because it is going to be tricky now. Dulcich, uh, someone drawing rave reviews. It's hard for two tight ends to score that many points, although we've seen it in the past with teams like a Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez setup. It's also... Difficult for a rookie tight end to score a lot of points in his first season, but that's not a possible either We saw Pitts do it just last year, and we're banking on a second-year explosion with our selection of him in this draft. So I don't think that the ADP is necessarily broken per se, but at those prices, it's certainly worth the risk, especially in a passing offense there with Denver
1: that could be very, very explosive. Yeah, and it's just when it's sliding down and sliding down. It, you know, at some point, I wonder where it's going to stop. He's getting not all that far away from the who players like you mentioned. They're like fan who we do like, but Gerald Everett as well. And you're looking at a situation where he's gone from a Drew Locke as his quarterback to having Russell Wilson. You know, I I think just that <laughs> I would have find it very hard to to keep passing him up if he's if he's continuing to go with these current prices but two options we still have as we're 11 picks away are Everett and Fant but Sean having Pets and Okubunum there feels like that's the end of our tight end needs for for this particular draft is that how we're looking at it from this point forward probably
2: is but if we got to the very late rounds and Fant was there versus wide receiver options we didn't like where we thought that he was going to actually score more points in a vacuum we could go that way we have six wide receivers who look good we again bet on a second year wide receiver in Rondell Moore when we made that selection he also has that week 17 game against the falcons so that part of it is a fun play i think that you want some exposure to the arizona atlanta potential week 17 shootout we have some options here at qb one of the things that was interesting is we've taken a lot of those players where we said they're the second guy more vaguely fits into that too where he could be the second guy after DeAndre Hopkins late in the season. Hopefully, he'll break out early. He has the ability to create down the field much more than they showed last season, and they've talked him up in terms of doing that for next year. The running backs also have a lot of upside. Singletary someone who could score a lot of touchdowns this season. Brees Hall, obviously a rookie, has that breakout potential and the huge second half of the season potential. Rashad White, you know, maybe the best athlete outside of Hall in the class, a perfect fit for what the Buccaneers want to do. And again, if we saw him really contribute, we would expect it to be during the time of the season where it would matter most. Justin Fields, we select a QB where we're not going to have any of his top receiving options, but that's much more acceptable in a QB that we're buying at least in part because the rushing numbers could be up there. I've mentioned a number of times that his rushing yards last season for the number of snaps he actually played gives you a lot of enthusiasm for what next year could be like if they allow him to get out there on the edge which if you follow sort of how the Bears offense currently evolving it sounds like they're going to give him that chance
1: it does sound I think it's going to be I think it might have been you actually that uh, talked about the kind of Russell Wilson kind of capabilities that they might build into this offense one of the Most disappointing parts of the offense last year was how rigid they were in not trying to accommodate Fields and his skill set and trying to stick to what they wanted to do. And obviously the head coach and GM are no longer there now, so that changes that up. We are back on the clock, Sean. Um, Gainwell did just go one pick ahead. I thought that would have been an interesting selection. Fant is still there. KJ Hamler is there, um, but would probably be going a little bit later than this. I I don't think we need the tight end, but we're... We, we don't have a, a huge amount of other options unless we want to go the, the K.J. Hamler or Wendell Robinson route. Well, I think the fan there
2: is a huge upside pick. It allows us to weather an injury. It allows us to weather the Albert O thing. Again, trying to get into the playoffs first and then his upside to cover some other tight ends in the playoffs. I like having that threesome win win our wide receivers are also elite. I don't have a concern with them being able to cover those points. And I think that because those tight ends are so good that we can cover the flex position with them a little bit, it allows us within the context of our league to lock out another team that maybe wanted that as a play. So, Colin, we're now here looking at quarterbacks in round 15. It's getting late. We only have one. Do any of these players appeal to you? I don't have them in the queue and we could go a different direction reaching for a wandale to make sure that we get him
1: i think we go wide receiver and take a risk on uh, i don't have a strong preference and these are the guys that we talked about that fell to us so matt ryan ryan Tannehill, or Jared goff they're probably the ones that i'd be looking to get as the second quarterback i would fully imagine now at this point that you know ryan's not going to get back to us it might be a case that none of them get back to us i noticed also that you didn't add Tannehill to the queue so Always interested when that happens, but uh, we'll see. Uh, there's no no strong preference from those guys, but they are kind of the last options here of people who you expect to be the starter throughout the season. and you're getting into players like Mayfield, who you're hoping there a trade happens. For example, I think you're you're in the same boat that there's no major, you no know, favoritism between those group of quarterbacks. And Matt Ryan goes off the board, but again. I feel a little bit indifferent about about that.
2: Yeah, he didn't really fit with what we were wanting to do. We don't have his pass catchers, and he's not going to add anything with the legs. I think that Jared Goff has a lot better weapons, and I'd be excited to see what he could do, especially if they are able to incorporate Jamison Williams in the second half of the season. They've talked a little bit about how that could be difficult, and if DJ Chark emerges alongside Amon Ra, Hawkinson and Swift say healthy. You could understand why they say that. Not just the rookie difficulties, but the fact that they may have a very well-functioning offense even without him. But you add him in, I just think these Lions are going to score a lot of points. It's a little bit of a situation here where we almost want to decide which one of these Falcons QBs is going to be the guy. Take a shot on at least one of them, because again, you have the rushing upside, which is great if you're not going to have that stacking element, but we actually do have Kyle Pitts here, and we have some games in terms of the Falcons. We have Baltimore receiver in Rashad Bateman, who's their week 16 opponent. We've talked about having Rondell Moore, who's their week 17 opponent. We're kind of putting together a nice little progression through where you can see how some shootout games there, and you know, the Falcons might have trouble scoring on the Ravens if the Ravens have that defense really firing on all cylinders as they do in most years. But I think that's another one that could be a pretty exciting Week 16 game, and those Week 16 games are the key to getting you across.
1: And with it being a Week 16 game, and that if you're targeting that far down the line, we're hoping that Justin Fields is what's going to take us most of the way. Probably if we were going to pick between Mariota and Redder, you're probably better to try and take the upside on the rookie there and, and that bet, I would imagine. And the only thing is then if we're if we're gonna wait and to that point, we we may miss out on both of them if we're waiting on, on Ritter. Um what would that be the way you'd play it? Go for who you expect to progress throughout the season to be starting then at that particular point if we're looking at the playoff stretch? I think
2: that's a good way to go if we feel like we have enough firepower early on one of the things here is that if goff does make it back to us and unfortunately he goes there at the 1603 not a huge surprise he's a great value there but it would have been fantastic to have both sides of that chicago detroit week 17 game i think here the player that you want is baker mayfield we're looking at him as the likely starting quarterback i shouldn't say likely one of the main scenarios that could play out over the next month month and a half is he becomes the starting quarterback. For Seattle, we made that bet by selecting Noah Fant. He's someone here where the price that you're getting doesn't necessarily factor that in. Because if he has a DK Metcalf, a Tyler Lockett, a Noah Fant with him there, and he's healthier again, because last season he competed completely broken up, you have to really look back to how he finished the 2020 season to see what he's like when he's healthy that part becomes very interesting. I think that the Falcons might be actually a little bit better than people are expecting. If they have Drake London and Kyle Pitts both hit and they're competitive, it's going to be a little bit trickier to go to Desmond Ritter as the season moves along. I'm still a believer in Marcus Mariota. If he were to create a second wind to his career, if he were to pull off a Ryan Tannehill there in Atlanta then you're talking about someone who from a a dynasty perspective obviously would be huge but within the context of a single year best ball format like this especially late especially if you have kyle pitts it would be hard not to maybe select both of those guys with these two picks
1: yeah the one thing i was going to say is justin fields has a week 14 by and i only had noticed that when we got got to this point so redder and uh, the falcons and Mariota obviously have a week 14 by as well so i think that makes Baker Mayfield the the pick for us I had thought we had talked on a couple of shows about people handcuffing the quarterback position and you know making that bet and just picking one of those guys but no matter what way we played it there we were going to have to get a third quarterback if we if we take one of the Falcons so if that wasn't the problem Sean if we had options would you went for one of the Falcons there over Mayfield or would you still want Mayfield well, I think that
2: the Falcons are going to last here, and we would have the option of taking the one who made it through if it didn't work out that way. And so I don't mind that element of it. Colin, we have just the four running backs. This pick needs to be an RB. We're looking at Deontay Foreman, Samir White, Chris Evans, Sonny Michel, Eno Benjamin as the top players in the, adp evans someone i've been selecting a lot recently i think he has the chance to be the absolute league winner but sony michelle would be interesting too
1: yeah let's go for uh evans i almost was going to say that we should like just we have i don't think we've got any no benjamin share together sean so maybe we'll see how it plays out over the next uh, the next round if he can sneak back to us but we may have to get a make sure we get one of those on the board Yeah, so we can look at running back. I like the five here with the fact
2: that we have both McCaffrey and Hall early and then Devin Singletary as a likely starter, uh, again, at at an ADP, even though we selected him about a half a round early. That probably doesn't make any sense now. If if Cook goes out there and is the clear star from day one, then it'll make more sense. But we have the early firepower to stick with five if we want. We obviously can't take a tight end or a wide receiver. We're full up on those selections. So this pick does come down to a QB or a running back. And I think if one of the Falcons makes it, then it becomes an interesting play to have that third shot with the relative weakness that we have at the QB position and the strength that we have everywhere else. If you you were to look at this roster only at the non-QB picks, you would say this has a chance to be one of the highest scoring teams in the field another element here that maybe isn't being talked about as much it is not something that i've seen as much discussion on in terms of the main best ball gurus that i get a chance to interact with on a daily basis and obviously so fortunate to have that but if we're looking at the potential to also win or not to also but another potential avenue for winning the big bucks if you score the most points through the regular season you also win a million dollars column marcus Mariota might be the guy who gets that done
1: we'll see how it plays out you could win a million dollars in the regular season it may not be marcus Mariota who who does get it done? Um, but yeah, that that hasn't been talked about a lot. I know it's like people are going to say, "Well, oh, that's you know, one person in the contest is going to win that, but only one person in the contest is going to win two million as well." So, like, let's uh, keep all our options open. The ideal scenario, Sean, is that you win the regular season and you win the tournament portion, and then you win three million, and that would be the the way to go about it. But you mentioned Marcus Mariota, maybe the one we talked about earlier about you know, playing the rookie upside as the season goes along. I, I would love to see Marcus Mariota have that, you know, you mentioned a Ryan Tannehill career resurgence, but I think if I'm, you know, putting that bet on for a tournament like this, I think I would probably lean towards Ritter if, if both guys are available at that last pick. Are you still leaning Mariota?
2: Well, I mean one of the things here is that the reporting out of Atlanta has jump back and forth in terms of who's most likely to have an impact this season it's it's tricky because at this point you would expect marcus mariota to have the big lead and so for it to be a situation where they like desmond ritter as much as they do now and for this to be in a situation also where the head coach has familiarity with mariota but not necessarily in the way where it would lead you to believe that he thinks that he is the answer for the team here. If we are talking about the second half of the season, it does seem like Ritter is the guy. There's that question then of how, how much are our fields and Mayfield going to carry you in terms of the first half and, and getting you across. So we made the strong bet on fields. I think he is a guy that needs to be a big part of your 2022 draft plan. And if you make that bet, then you need to believe in it and think that that can work. Now, again, having as many quarterbacks, if you're outside the window, having that third quarterback does give you the option. Having the rushing QB gives you all of the benefits that having a hybrid quarterback does. They don't have to be nearly as good a passer. You get all of those bonus points on there. Not bonus points, but you get the four or five points rushing that can make all the difference for a weaker passer. Create some of that weekly upside if they get a rushing touchdown. Obviously, Desmond Ritter has the long speed To break a player, too, like we've seen with Daniel Jones, even though there are a lot of analysts who are concerned that he didn't demonstrate the type of dynamism as a rusher in college that you would hope from someone with his athletic ability. So, pluses and minuses. We're going to have the second to last pick in the draft and column. It looks like we're going to have our choice of the two guys. So, you tell I'm me, gonna
1: here. Put, I'm gonna put one other pitch and Sony Michelle's still there if you want to take him over one of the quarterbacks, but I would go Redder over Mariota. And if you want to pick a running back, I would go Sony Michelle. Sean doesn't want a running back.
2: Let's do Desmond Ritter now. We've got McCaffrey, and Brees Hall. Those guys are gonna light it up. This is a Rashad White team, which means you're more or less gambling on him emerging in some way, shape, or form. Again, we're not going to be rooting against Leonard Fournette from an injury perspective, we are going to be rooting against him scoring points because we don't have him on our rosters. But if it works out and white comes through, I think that that group at running back is strong enough to play the five running back start. That's more or less what we'll be committed to with the CMC pick.
1: So just to recap, the entire roster, we do go from the 102 slot. We have Christian McCaffrey, T. Higgins, Kyle Pitts, Brees Hall, Rashad Bateman, Devontae Smith. Then we got Branton Ayuk in the seventh round, followed up with Devin Singletary, Garrett Wilson, Justin Fields, Rondell Moore, Rashad White, then Albert Owen, Noah Fant, former Denver Broncos, tight end teammates. Then we get Wandell Robinson, who we've drafted quite a large amount of, then Baker Mayfield, Chris Evans, Finish it off with that upside rookie pick and, and Desmond Ritter. So, Sean, overall, I think you know you, the quarterback position again. It's one of those where we talk about the quarterback window. We've we've bypassed it in on this one to try and fill up some of the other positions. But overall, I think we're we're pretty happy with how things played out, and we're going to see how this team does throughout throughout the uh, the rest of twenty twenty two.
2: Exactly, and the quarterbacks went at such elevated prices in this draft that we didn't want to chase. And it gives us an opportunity to play a three QB approach to play some of these quarterbacks that we're interested in exposure to, but wouldn't ever draft in a draft where we have the two QBs in the window. It allows us to get the rushing value of fields and potentially Ritter. It allows us to get some interesting pairings there where it perhaps elevates even a little bit more the value of kyle pitts or a noah fant if those end up being the guys we know that the elite tight ends have the chance to score points that other players don't necessarily have at the position you even look at last year and one of the things was that travis kelsey the advanced numbers weren't great but then again because of the big numbers in the playoffs he's able to get the teams that did make it into the playoffs then to the finals which obviously is something that you're looking for that's where the money is going to be So to amplify that a little bit with players who are not going to be covered very often in the ways that we have them here, it gives us a team that is both unique and has value related to what was happening in our given draft. And those are kinds of the things that you're looking to get, not like either or, but both of those elements with the value because of where the quarterbacks went, then we're stronger in the single digit rounds than we usually are that value works with or plays off of the other things that we were able to do in this draft to create a very cohesive
1: whole yeah and who knows uh when the Baker mayfield trade eventually happens maybe he actually gets pushed up into the the quarterback window maybe things will work out from that perspective but yeah very fun draft overall thanks to everyone who tuned in hopefully you've enjoyed it we will be having more drafts coming your way over the coming weeks and months as always, if you want to sign up and get yourself a Rotoviz NFL pass, you can do so and save yourself a 10% discount as a loyal podcast listener using the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. That will save you 10% off, and you can also go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. It will get you access to all of our content and tools up on the website, get you access to all of Sean's you know, great articles that are up there among all the rest of the team as well. So check that out if you haven't done so already if you're playing over at underdog fantasy use the promo code rotoviz that will get you a 100 sign up bonus up to 100 all you have to do is add the code rotoviz when setting up a new account but that is going to do it for this episode a special draft edition of rotoviz overtime as we drafted in the underdog best ball mini tournament my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland and check out all of sean's great work as i mentioned up on rotoviz.com